You're listening to Accounted For, the Canadian podcast that explores the intangibles of every career. I'm your host, Daniel Lee. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. This is a podcast to inspire unconventional careers and is a part of OMD Ventures, my platform on a mission to create utopias. If you'd like to ask questions, please reach out in the contact page as I'm always looking to get enough questions to do an AMA episode. And if you'd like to stay up to date with my journey, I write about it actually in pretty big detail nowadays in my weekly newsletter. So don't fall behind. Subscribe to the newsletter to stay in the loop with what I'm doing um, just with growing the platform as well as my own life. And I also definitely share the weekly learnings, essays, podcasts, etc. All of it can be found at omdventures.com or I think I'll have the links in the descriptions as well. Cool. And today's podcast is a little late and I apologize for that. The trick with doing interviews with guests is that sometimes the timings just don't go exactly as you planned. So please forgive me. And another difference with today's podcast is that it is a semi-anonymous podcast. I say semi or semi, however you want to pronounce it, because the guest wanted to keep his identity open in case people had follow-up questions for him. But we still want to keep it somewhat anonymous in terms of the specific company names. And yeah, we don't want that. He didn't want to divulge too much information that he could be identified Either way, um, we tried our best to have a candid conversation while leaving the room open for maybe future contact between you, my listeners, and my guests as well, so that he can help you out on your own journey. So, my guest today is Vince. We, as I said, semi-anonymous. We revealed just the first name. So, Vince and I, we explored the his journey from the world of Big Four Audit, aka accounting to transitioning to be a software developer by going through a boot camp in Toronto. In our conversation, we go through his process of making the jump, why he decided to do a boot camp versus self-teaching, and the assumptions versus the reality of boot camps, the surprises that he faced when transitioning from everything from the job market to the learnings he got out of the bootcamp process, as well as like learnings he had of himself personally as he was making the transition into a completely different role and what his life is like now after accounting. So these are the kind of topics that we cover in today's conversation and much more. And it really was a fun conversation where we try to get really real on what his life is like and what it's kind of like to live out his dream life as a software developer. So please enjoy my conversation with Vince. everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. Today was supposed to be an anonymous podcast, but the guest is so brave that he has said, just use my first name and we'll not stay anonymous. So that's pretty cool. It saves me some editing time on the voice too. So today's guest is Vince. Hey Vince, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey. Um, I will hide your last name just so you have a slightly more anonymity. But what... What helps with this is that um, I've had you know some listeners reach out. Some of you, my listeners, you've reached out, and 
you know, ask questions for the anonymous guest. And I can understand why, because these anonymous podcasts tend to be very candid in the answers people give and people get more curious, but it also makes it more difficult because the people want to stay anonymous. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can't really go, oh, can you answer these questions? But this has made it easier. So you listeners, if you want to reach out and ask Vince questions, feel free to do that through me. That's awesome. Um, so Vince, today's story is going to be about your kind of journey from accounting to now becoming a software engineer. And for the guests to get some perspective, how many years, uh, yeah, I guess like how many years were you, are you, have you been in uh, software engineering and how many years were you in accounting before that? So I can start off with, uh, accounting. Um, I've been, I was in accounting for approximately three, three and a half years before I decided to make a jump over into software engineering. Mm. Uh, and so I've been in a full-time role in a software engineering, uh, position, for about four to five months now all right so still still kind of fresh off the boat in in that aspect still very fresh yeah yeah yeah. still learning lots i i've i think my experience has been that the honeymoon period kind of ends after three months um has it ended for you or do you still feel like you're in it i still feel like i'm in it every day something new you're always just learn picking up new things things i've learned in the in my journey into software engineering um have basically just been like a small speck of everything I've learned up until this point in my uh, in my full time position. So, I, I'm one of the things that um, like my seniors now tell me that is that once you join this profession or join this industry, you're signing up for a lifetime of learning. So you're never gonna stop learning. So are you saying that when you joined accounting that you didn't sign up for a lifetime of learning? Correct. <laughs> Ooh, I love it already. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Like, so, I think the three and a half years. When that means when you when you left your uh, big four accounting profession, you you would have been a senior, right? A senior accountant. Uh, I was a senior for a year already, so okay. I would have been in my second year senior before I left. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah and, and for some of the listeners who are not familiar with the big four progression it's i think universally the same country regardless of country and stuff it's i think you're like a staff slash associate for two years and then senior for about the next two to three years and then manager after that um for for you though so then from leaving leaving as a senior like it's common for a lot of my friends to leave um during the senior years because that's when you get the quote-unquote certification like you paid your three-year you're due as an auditor and you got your CA now CPA letters and people mostly go into being a controller and stuff what was the process like for you to just kind of quit cold turkey the, the finance profession that you've worked so hard you got you had I mean, you got your letters right yeah so you got your letters and you just kind of quit all that and went to boot camp so what was that kind of early decision process like um yeah can you walk me through that yeah uh it's um it's something that you like I still kind of have in the back of my mind even till now that I have taken something that I've worked very hard towards um and then just left it behind for something completely different but I've always had this um like want or like this desire to go from 
accounting into uh, software development. Uh, even since like undergrad, like around second year, I've always even contemplated that I've done um, I've done my electives throughout undergrad in in uh, in computer science, and so because I know that I wanted to do this, um, I kind of planned for myself to you know once I get my designation, like my my letters, um, finish all my hours, uh, and write the exam, pass the exams, so, and stuff like that, that I would get out of this because I I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy accounting. I didn't enjoy auditing, and I didn't enjoy tax and stuff like that for working full time in it. And I couldn't see myself in a in a in a like future position even if it's higher up even if it kind of makes like more money or like potentially more money or whatever um money isn't the the driving force behind it so for in that sense it made it easier for me to just i need to do this i want to do this i know i wanted to do this i know i enjoy this very much and i just took the leap of faith um i guess one of the biggest you can call it an ultimatum almost is that um after I got my designation, I like you alluded to that uh, I applied for a boot camp. Um, those there's plenty of coding boot camps around. Some in some in the states. There's a lot in Toronto now. Um, if I were to get into the one that I wanted to get into, then I would go through with this all the way, and not look back. Oh, so you you gave yourself that ultimatum before exactly. applying. Exactly. Oh, okay. So if I didn't get in, then then I probably wouldn't have gone through with it. But Fortunately, I guess the stars aligned, and you know, uh, I got in, and then I, I, I just look forward from then on. Gotcha. And how how did that kind of conversation uh, go with you know your your friends, your family? Were they all very supportive of it? <clears throat> uh, with friends, they were very supportive uh, with it because they've heard me just complaining about not being in the in the field itself since second year. <laughs> so. Um, so I, I'm happy that my friends were very supportive about it, but with family, it was a bit tougher. A lot of them were like, I've even like till now, sometimes I hear like, wait, you jump from accounting into computer science. Why, what, what, why would you do that? You know, and stuff like that. And, um, the parents initially, they also thought the same thing. They're like, <clears throat> they're like, cause, uh, some background first, my dad, my dad is an IT consultant, so he's kind of aware of the industry and these kind of things. Um, so one of the reasons why I didn't even go into CS in the first place and like applying to computer science and stuff in uh, out of high school was because he was in that field that they originally told me that like, hey, this industry is actually very competitive and like um, maybe you should go for a more stable thing. You know, the, the Asian parent mind thought like mindset that you got to go do either be a lawyer or like a doctor or an accountant or whatever. Um, so, so I guess uh, they weren't the most supportive at first, but then they realized that, Hey, like I, I did what I set out to do. I got my uh, CPA. I got my designation. I finished all everything I I wanted to accomplish with the whole accounting route. And then if I wanted to try something new, then now is the time to do it. I don't have any, I don't have any financial, like fiscal financial responsibilities um like 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 what would you have if you had kids and stuff like that right um so yeah like try when you're younger you know explore the world that you have lots of time left still so so they became more supportive about it so mm. i think that's what i'm very grateful for for both like my friends and my family 
yeah I, and yeah like i can i can't stress enough how how valuable the support of you know your your the support of your loved ones is really like um the, the fact that i've i've been able to go on my journey it's all thanks to them as well mm-hmm. but you also said that you you knew kind of in 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 your heart that software developing was kind of the thing that you wanted to do ever since like second year did you consider switching programs or did you consider um just yeah somehow going into software developing like faster because you know you didn't do that and then you spent three years in accounting and you graduated in accounting so could have saved off about like five and a half years there probably yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, if i you know if i paid attention to first year first year like economics and considered sunk costs <laughs> as a sunk cost and not you know like i need to whatever um uh yeah i did i had did consider it back then mm. uh i spoke with like the math faculty um i i knew i think i never spoke with like anyone in engineering um but I spoke with math faculty to see how it would work if I wanted to switch over into CS um, in, I think it was probably like second term of second year. And uh, it required me to basically take a bunch more courses um, and I would be like pretty much back in first year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that put me off back in, in at the time, but it did. And so uh, it kind of just dragged out and eventually it was just like, uh, it just gets too late, you know. You then it becomes a too big of a sunk cost to swallow, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it seems like there was that two year sunk cost, and and you were thinking, ah, oh, that's a lot of time. Yeah. And then it just so, got worse. Yeah, it just got worse. <laughs> and worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but it seems like I guess that's how you know you you you're really serious about it because the sunk cost became like five and a half years, and and then you decide, okay, I think yeah. I have to make the jump. Yeah, but. I guess one of the things to point out is um, now that I've like I passed the CFE and got all my hours, got the designation. It's I don't I no longer consider it a sunk cost. Mm. I consider the entire process as something I've gained. It's it's a good thing. It's things I've I can learn. I've met a lot of people along the way. Um, I still keep in touch with some of them, and, and like they're the experience is valuable, and. Um, one of the one of the things that my current supervisor at my current workplace uh, said to me was that it, it wasn't something I expected at all, but he complimented me about one of like my traits, um, and I can attribute that trait to have been developed through my experiences in accounting. So mm. I, I I definitely think that I've gained a lot out of the experience, and I definitely wouldn't call it a sunk cost anymore. So I really like that. I really mm-hmm. like the perspective and. It's, I think it's actually something that isn't considered much in in the aspect of. I found that people are always in a rush there, and I think when you're young, you're definitely in a rush. I was always in a rush, and but I think even even now, like I'm, you know, I'm in my, I want to say mid twenties, but I think it's closer to late twenties yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, probably late, now. yeah, <laughs> my late twenties, and I feel like I'm getting a little more patient about it. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Where my dad has. My dad always had a saying. He said, um, "There's no such thing as wasted time, because there's so you always like learn something from it. You're always doing something, and it adds character. It adds experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very great way of actually rethinking about that sunk cost idea too. And so from that from that perspective, like you, you, know, you finally get to the point you want to apply to a boot camp. Why did you choose to do a boot camp? Because I, 
you know, there's so many resources out there for people who want to be software developers. Um, people teach code to themselves all the time. Why didn't you take the self-taught route? So the self-taught route was probably not in not an option for me because, first of all, the question is whether or not I stay full-time working as an accountant or not while I do the self-taught route as well, right? Um, so quitting my job to do to self-teach myself coding was definitely out of the question. Parents would not fly with that. <laughs> um, staying with my job at the time and self-teaching, also not plausible because of busy season. Um, I probably could have taken, like tried to get myself an industry job um, and, and then also self-teach myself, but I don't think I have enough discipline to do that and land myself a full-time job because I'm going to be in a in a comfy position in industry um, working away and then and then I'm self-teaching myself at, I just like after after hours like after 5 p.m I guess that's just that's just a problem with my own um, with my own kind of like like, like discipline that mm-hmm. at the time I didn't think I could do it. And so I wanted to set myself up for success and put myself in an environment in a position where other people are trying to go through the same thing as me. Um, so, and I think that that kind of increased my chances of success a lot more than self-teaching for sure. Um, I know it's kind of like a, it sounds contradictory that, oh, if I'm so interested in making the switch over, why uh, why couldn't I have self-taught myself? But I think that just comes down to um, just wanting to put myself into a good environment. Uh, and that's one of the benefits of being in a boot camp, I find. not Maybe not for most people, but for me, definitely, is that you, you meet a lot of people. Um, and these people are all trying to achieve the same thing. And they all come from various different backgrounds. And you, you get to you get to go through an entire experience with with all these different peoples and you learn a lot more than you would self-taught um in addition to obviously like the instructors who know what they're doing and um kind of put you in the right path to uh to to be able to continuously learn um so that's yeah i kind of chose the boot camp part over the self-taught for those reasons mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah and i think uh, you know from what you're telling me it's you know, you hinted at the, you know, if the, I think the common stereotype, oh, if you love it so much, then discipline shouldn't be a mm. matter. But right, that's not true at all. Like, <laughs> I, I think any, I, I, I constantly tell people, I, I love what I'm doing right now. I'm having so much fun. But every morning is a grind to get out of bed early and, you know, sit down and do the work. And I think the environment, yeah, it's, it's super important, right? You, I think we as people are the product of our environment and the place you pick to be will actually help form who you become because we're so easily influenced by our surroundings. Agreed. And I just want to elaborate a little on maybe kind of the industry jargon that you kind of used where or the assumptions we made because the busy season for accountants, um, to give perspective for people who are not accountants, because <clears throat> you'd be surprised, I actually met people in tech, this, this kind of Toronto tech ecosystem who thought people who worked in accounting worked nine to five and <laughs> one person, uh, she, she she said, "Oh, you you have no idea. 
oh, you're you're probably not used to working hard because you're from accounting because you probably did a nine to five job. But in tech, we work till like eight and stuff. And I was thinking in the back of my mind, you have no idea how much accounts <laughs> work. So my my terms of business season, I think like on average, like I worked about a hundred hours a week. My peak was around one twenty mm. hours. Um, I'm gonna guess like you were probably on a similar. I think I think for you that was kind of on the high end. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just leave it at that. No, um, uh, during yeah during busy season you don't see the light of day. Yeah, literally. Cause yeah. it's in the winter. Yeah, because it's in the winter. <laughs> yeah, so you you get in you get in uh, like normal time because that's when the client client is at work, and then you probably stay an extra seven to eight more hours after the client leaves and then you also have to work weekends right so it's uh it's it's a lot for three maybe for some people it's even three to six months um so it really depends on yeah. who like which clients you get it's and, true yeah so it's easy easy 80 hours a week right yeah yeah, yeah easy, easy 80, 80. Yeah. easy 80 yeah. and the term industry i'm gonna do air quotes for industry um when it's also common jargon when you're in the big four in audit especially you use the term industry like saying oh so and so person left to industry when the person is no longer an auditor like when you're no longer in professional services so in, you in public accounting exactly in public yeah, accounting yeah you don't that means you don't do taxes that means you don't do auditing that means you don't do consulting yeah so yeah it, you basically work under just one company and you do in-house stuff practically like, yeah like but 80 percent of the people out there really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is why it's fair for some people to assume like oh like you only work nine to five right you know, yeah you're an accountant but it's like i i think i get more i get more um stereotypes where people like they, they hear that i'm an accountant and then they're like oh can you do my taxes so oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. no not everyone does their does not all accounts do taxes you know i really most auditors <laughs> do their own taxes i think we all have people that do it for us yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I, I mean i started off in tax so that's <laughs> so i'm okay in that regard right. but <laughs> right 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 yeah 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 and so like yeah if you if you say you exit to industry then yeah that would have meant going to a bank doing some kind of financial reporting controller role nine to five that's that's a deal right there um and so in terms of the boot camp you were very you had the ultimatum so it seems like you're very specific on the kind of boot camp that you wanted to join and you ended up going to the one that you wanted to but what what were the differentiating factors out of all the boot camps like what what were you looking for uh so the big thing i really was looking for was the environment mm. so out of all the boot camps that I reached out to, <coughs> excuse me, um, of all the boot camps I reached out to, the the one that I got accepted to was like the yeah, the one I really wanted because it was known for their culture, known for their environment, and known for their reputation. Um, not only does that mean you meet really great people, and um, and like everyone's like pretty awesome, like the instructors are awesome, the staff are really awesome. Um, but because they also have a reputation for being so great, then employers also uh, reach out to the to the boot camp and look for the new grads for like to to offer up any opportunities. Mm -hmm. So um, at the time, I th I thought that that was the the way to go. Um, <coughs> I probably would have done it the same if I did more research. Um, I did consider, like, I, I did consider also going to boot camps in in the states as well. Um, at one point, 
Um, right, so you went to the one in Toronto. Yeah, but I went to the one in Toronto instead, uh, just for, I guess, just for financial and personal reasons. Um, but there's there's many things to consider when you're trying to pick out a boot camp. Um, I've seen really great quality graduates as well uh, coming out of other boot camps. Um, some of the other boot camps are a lot more tougher uh, and not everyone actually gets through them and sometimes they drop out. Whereas our the, the boot camp that I went to, like the, the, the graduation and employment rate is pretty high it's it's actually like very very high what's the percentage do you um i don't know what it is anymore uh when they were marketing it it was close to 100 100 employment 100 percent employment 100 yeah. graduation yeah wow yeah don't quote me on that but <laughs> but i'm pretty sure that's what it was and that's what i, I was pretty sold on um so guaranteed success <laughs> in, in, I mean, a, in a way in a way yeah. yeah so so you see that you hope it's not a you hope it's not a marketing scheme and then uh you you get in you realize hey it's actually pretty good and i mean uh, uh i'm pretty sure 98 or 99 percent of my cohort is employed mm. so it lives up to the hype i i would say you hesitated for a second though when you were thinking oh yeah if i had to do it over again I'd probably go to the same boot camp, but why did you hesitate, or what made you hesitate? So I met I met people after I graduated from other boot camps, talked to them, and <clears throat> there was a point when I compared myself against them in terms of like what we've learned and the like the quality of our work. Obviously, it's difficult to compare because I'm a fresh grad and the those other people are like several years down the line. Um, they're quite the characters so the comparison kind of uh put me off almost like I, i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to abstract what i'm trying to say as much as possible because i don't want to like go too far into details about it but um it just felt like there was a huge disparity between the quality of graduates so in terms of that are you implying that the quality of your grad your bootcamp was way better than other way around. Other way around. Other way around. Oh, really? Yes. Um, so when, it's, you, when you say characters, are you <clears throat> saying like, when you say characters, like I'm thinking, oh, so is he saying that these people are like extremely just kind of arrogant and fearful of themselves or? You can kind of put it that okay, way. My, my words. Yeah. Yes, my words, <laughs> yeah, not yeah, yeah. You can kind of put it that way. I, I wouldn't say they're arrogant, but they do come off as blunt. Uh, but uh it, yeah it is what it is yeah. yeah okay and so then you you meet them and then that kind of made, made you think hmm maybe other boot camps might have been yeah might have helped you more on the technical aspect i agree mm. um but but at the same time um you think back to or at least i think back to what my purpose was and what i what my criteria were when i was uh, looking to decide what boot camp i was going to and it was the environment not the technicals because what really matters and when and throughout the process is not learning how to like how what the technicals are specifically because in in the in, in this industry the technology will always change like it's constantly changing um just as how people in accounting are like in public accounting are revolve it's a revolving door and people come in come out technology does the same thing in in the uh in the software development industry so um, what's important is to learn how to learn 
not what to learn. Because what you learn at that point in time may be relevant, but five, ten years down the road, it's going to be something completely different. And so that's why I think the the environment where you learn that teaches you that skill is more important than the quality of your work. Now, that's not to say that the other boot camps probably like don't teach the the right mindset and stuff like that, but because I, I haven't been through it, so I can't say so. Um, so me thinking and like comparing myself with some of the people I've met um, maybe wasn't the right thing to do at the time. Um, but it, sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to, oh. it's hard to not to do that. So. <laughs> it, it's life, yeah. right? It's, yeah, it's, it's hard. <clears throat> as much as we don't like to compare ourselves <clears throat> to other people, it, I find that also the kind of environment we, we could put in, uh, leads to that. I was actually having a conversation today with a friend and it, it went to the idea of when you're in, at least, at least when you're in <coughs> Toronto, I find, and mm-hmm. you're just walking down Bay street mm-hmm. and at least for me, because it's. It's kind of like home turf to one extent. My query was built on Bay Street. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not compare yourself to all these other people walking by you mm-hmm. when you're in a coffee shop and I'm wearing a t-shirt on my laptop and then everyone else <laughs> is in some kind of three-piece suit um, that, that you know, I, I used to wear. I used to be in that seat, that <laughs> position, talking about that kind of PNL net, I don't know, NAV shit. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't talk about anymore. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. But yeah, it's and then you start comparing. I think it's very normal. Yeah, but I I like to think of it from the perspective that if you're in a t-shirt and shorts on Bay Street, you might have made it already. Oh, but, you know. thanks, <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going for. I wanted to look as much of a slob or kind of tech billionaire <laughs> as possible when I went to this coffee shop, so everyone would stare. Yes. You know, like, who, who's that short Asian kid over there with shorts? <laughs> and not worrying about your PL BS stuff, you know? <laughs> at, at 10 in the morning. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so we talked about, um, you know, one, one particular thing, like the technicals that made you think, hmm, you know, made you look back on your experience at a boot camp. What I'm wondering, what else was there? What what other things um, really stuck out as you know you you had all these expectations of the environment, the kind of core that you'd be joining, the experience, and then w- you'd go through it. It was what three months ish. Uh, it was nine weeks. Yeah, nine so, weeks. Yeah, okay. like two two months plus. Two months plus. Yeah. 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 And so you go through the nine week program, and then you come out of it. What was the kind of bef- the the reality versus the dream slash assumption? So, what surprised you there? Uh, so the dream part was like, I'm gonna be like killing myself over over like learning as much as possible over the uh, over the course of the boot camp. Um, trying to cram as much as I can uh, into my head and I thought like oh there's gonna be so much information it's literally like like a fire hose down your down your throat kind of kind of ordeal Um, and that I would come out and I'd be like super ready um, to to land a job obviously not to the same point as someone who graduated four years or five years from a, from a, like a software engineering or a CS degree uh, from university, you know, but like, I'd be, I'd be ready to, um, to take on like a, a beginner position and, and stuff like that. Um, but the reality was, 
I found anyway, uh, this might just be because I have a little bit of uh, programming background <clears throat> um, from like all the electives I took in undergrad, uh, that I kind of was able to learn the stuff a lot faster than I expected. Like I thought I wouldn't, I would be like struggling to keep up with, uh, with all that information and all that kind of stuff to learn. Um, but I actually picked up on it pretty well. Uh, and I'm actually happy that I did because, <laughs> um, I'm sure there are some people who go through boot camp and it's, it's definitely more of a struggle, um, <clears throat> than others. Uh, and I found that to be the same thing, like in, in our cohort, like some, some people got it really fast, even like, like, like I wasn't the fastest, that's for sure. Um, and then some people took a bit longer. Uh, so the, the, the boot camp, how they set it up was like, they would set up at, when it got to the more difficult topics, they would set up, split the class up into, um, into two so that it becomes more manageable for the instructors to go over the, the more difficult topics. So I guess like, <clears throat> um, in terms of pacing that's what kind of caught me off guard um i mean it's a good thing like it's it became manageable i didn't stress my overstress myself uh um like my face didn't break out <laughs> and stuff like that but you know um <clears throat> i don't think i really uh it's the it's the job seeking part that was a bit more difficult and definitely didn't hit my expectation um one of the parts that uh, or sorry one of the categories or kind of criteria that i was looking for when researching through the different boot camps was how well structured um their postgraduate processes are because there's no like there's no point going through paying all that money to go through a boot camp um if you're just gonna get dumped in the deep deep end afterwards and be like oh look like we have all this reputation on our boot camp and then here go look for a job so um so so i guess when i went through my boot camp uh got to the job seeking stage granted i didn't i'll admit that i didn't make the most use of out of it as i could have and should have um, Can you elaborate on that? So after the boot camp is over, we have a very structured and rigid process through uh, job searching. Um, it's a huge numbers game. And because it's a numbers game, you follow through with the process to guarantee your success. Oh, so the boot camp lays <clears throat> out this process exactly, for you. Exactly. So um, so you you want to follow that. Be and, and because it's a numbers game, it's, a prob it's just probability chance and luck and stuff so you want to maximize uh your chances of success and that is just sheer volume of applications and so so you just throw it's kind of like you're you know you're throwing shit on the wall and seeing what sticks <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't say what yeah that is that is how the saying goes but it's not really shit <laughs> <laughs> part, part part of my friend <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but it's it's true because if you think about it if you step back and think about it you're a boot camp graduate that just did nine to twelve weeks of of intense intense learning and you're going up against people who either have experience or they're coming out of a um of a a, a university degree so in any case you're probably going to be in a lose-lose situation um and they tell you that and the boot camp 
no, make you aware no of this it. is this is my perspective oh. only <laughs> let's not let's not attach that to the boot camp but um, <laughs> um, but yeah like my perspective is that is is that it's that you you're at a disadvantage when you're going up against competition in terms of getting that job that you want and um, and you just need to you just have to be comfortable with rejection because you know you're not going to be you may be like the star of your boot camp but not only are you competing against um, people of higher caliber you're also competing against the many different boot camps in Toronto as well so it's it's the it's a difficult time um, and it I I was I got dejected from the rejections uh, and that that reduced my discipline in following the routine. It, I didn't trust the process. You need to trust the process in order in order to succeed. So, um, I mean, it still worked out for me in the end, luckily. Uh, but yeah, it's that's kind of one of the disparities I had between the the whole uh, the reality versus dream kind of boot camp in my mind and the the process uh, i'd like to learn a little more about that can you give me a, a, an understanding you can even give me like a range you don't have to give me the precise number of how many like applications should be submitting in a week uh, or you were supposed to uh i don't think i can go too much into the details of the of the entire process but it's kind of um like i would say <coughs> there I would say you would apply to maybe like like 50 every two weeks. So like, I don't know, like 25, something like that. Um, some people do a lot more. Mm-hmm. So kind some of like people, close to two a days, like nearly two a day. Something like that. Yeah. Um, you, well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the CV study um, where you, you only work nine to five, but you're full time applying, applying to jobs. And then afterwards you stop. You take your mind off of it. You rest, um, and then you continue again the next working day. Um, so it's it's more than like it's more than two a day. That's for sure. But the idea is you just need to set yourself up into a into a system that just pumps out applications, um, so that you can you you know you can get maximize your chances of landing an interview and then getting a job. Mm. Um, some people do a lot more a lot more applications and get more interviews that way. Uh, some people do a lot more applications, don't get as many interviews and then they do a few and then they get, they get a lot more. It's just, it's luck. Um, and the best thing you can do is keep your, keep your mind in a good place. Uh, take care of yourself. Um, that's probably the most important thing. Cause once you get dejected, it becomes a vicious cycle. And then, mm-hmm. And then even if you get interviews, it doesn't show, it doesn't bode well on your face, you know? So, yeah. And when you apply for software jobs, is it like applying for business jobs where you have resume, cover letter, and you spend a lot of time on the cover letter part trying to tailor it and make it personable? I can't say um, it's like that for all disciplines of software engineering. Um, I work, <coughs> or I kind of, did my boot camp in um, uh, in front end, so it's like front end web development. So we have portfolios where it's just a portfolio website with your different works that you did and stuff like that. Um, I don't typically know too much about any other disciplines, so 
um, it makes sense because if you're going to be a front end developer, you should know your UI. You need to like you need to be able to display stuff to the client, the, the web browser. Um, so that in that sense, it makes sense. We do also have uh, like resumes and cover letters. Um, they're kind of tailored in a design kind of way, but it's not not actually too necessary. I've found anyway from just talking to people and stuff anyway, but uh, it also depends on like where you're applying to too, right? And what kind of job position it is. The The place I'm in right now definitely uh, probably, most definite probably <laughs> doesn't, um, didn't really look at the portfolio website. Um, partly because the, the stuff I do is, it's not limited to uh, just like web design and like front end stuff. But if you were to work in, like if you were to apply to a startup and the position is most definitely trying to get you to do purely front end stuff, then that is probably things that they'll look for. So I guess the point is it depends on what you're applying to, who you're applying to. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, I just have some other product design friends who kind of imply that when they have portfolios that, just kind of submit the portfolio and mm-hmm. it, they made it seem like it's such an easy process, but it made me think there's gotta, there's gotta be something more you gotta do, um, you know, to make it somewhat customizable. Well, I, there, I've seen some portfolios of designers before and they, they're not just websites, right? Like they have like, so they might have, I don't know what they might, what other things I've seen, like printed booklets and stuff and um, like actual, like, I don't even know what they're called. They're like they look like a binder. They're rigid, but it's like printed on hard paper, and it looks really cool. It's not like a binder with D rings or whatever. It's literally just pages printed in and inserted into a piece of wood that looks like a binder. And so it's really cool the things that they do. Wow! So then yeah. to bring that that actual physical portfolio think to so. a company, I think so. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Like that's awesome. Well, you have to you have to make yourself stand out. Yeah, right? and, that's awesome. And- <laughs> oh, so like yeah. I. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but like when I was applying for um, investing jobs because I had to stand out, I I hand delivered resumes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it's, that actually worked sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So like in a you know in a sea of fish, how are you gonna stand out, right? Right. So you, you try to do anything you can, jump out of the water, you know, or eat something bigger than you. I don't know. <laughs> well, so in in that point of the sea of fish, I I always see all these news, and um, when I even when I'm hanging out with some friends and some other like developer friends in the tech ecosystem, they, they constantly brag about how, oh, there's so many jobs out there or the, the news constantly talks about, oh, there's not enough tech talent in Canada and there's way too much jobs. But from what I've seen from friends who are trying to break into the industry, at least for the technical roles, it doesn't seem like there is, like there might appear like there's a lot of uh, demand out there. But it seems like it's not that easy. Like it se- like most people I've met have had a quite difficult time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it that might used to have been the case maybe several years ago, like two to four to five years ago, um, where the tech industry was lacking in demand, and then you see the uprise of boot camps um, in Toronto, right, lacking then, in supply. They had demand. Sorry. Yes. 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 yes lacking in supply. Yeah. What is what is economics? Um, <clears throat> <laughs> Hashtag no longer business. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, 
now that you reach the you kind of reach an equilibrium right where where your supply is meeting your demand and then it's overshooting where you have too much supply and not enough demand because you fulfill all the you fulfill all the junior roles and that's the roles that are important for for to breaking into the industry right you don't have you don't have enough junior roles because they're all looking for some kind of experience they don't have a lot of the startups don't have the capacity to teach new people so where does that leave all the new people who are trying to get in right mm. um so the the job seeking process becomes a lot more difficult because after you've done your boot camp you probably have to do extended learning and that's kind of what i've noticed from some some of the boot camps as well they offer extended learning after the boot camp which expand your knowledge even further and kind of put you in a further ahead of a head position of other juniors looking for a job it's it's tough it's it's uh it's a tough market to be in right now i think but who's to say not any like other markets aren't the same you know yeah it 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 <clears throat> seems like it's it's kind of more as if the tech market in Toronto was very inefficient so to speak and it's actually getting efficient to the mm-hmm. point that if I were to compare it to like the world that we're familiar with in accounting where a lot of the you know the the bright ambitious kids in university will go apply for the big four or any kind of public accounting practice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. learn there because those companies are huge and they have the budget to teach you mm-hmm. and then you leave and try to go into more senior position into mm-hmm. smaller mm-hmm. companies or industry companies. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like that's kind of the it, trend. Yeah, except the only issue with that is like <clears throat> I think that trend does exist with the big tech companies which aren't right. necessarily uh like their campuses aren't tailored towards picking up juniors. And like the the Toronto campuses anyway, sorry, I need to elaborate that. Um like I think a lot of software engineers that graduate out of university they they try to aim for like the big companies you know like Amazon, Google, Microsoft or uh, and and like those all, kind of big companies all the fang techs yeah, yeah yeah and then they um they do several years in there if they like it they'll stay if not then they'll jump out to a startup or something where they have maybe more control over what they do and things like that uh i'm not the most versed in that area so i won't speak any further in case i end up sounding like a fool but um here a lot of the jobs i see on boards like job boards and stuff they are they're with like small startups or like medium sized startups with some some are in like really big companies and stuff like that so by chance if a startup does uh pick you up as like a fresh bootcamp grad or whatever you're could probably going to stay with them for a long time so that doesn't open up junior level positions the same way that at let's say like a public accounting firm your juniors end up uh, become seniors and they become managers and then they're out the door so then there's always a, a flow of traffic through the different positions um until you get to industry it's the same idea as like like accounting industry where um your controllers may be like 60 years old and they never move until they you know, they retire right so so the junior positions in toronto anyway are kind of like that where you just don't rotate out you know it's not in and out the same way it is in a, in like public accounting firms right so then you're completely yeah. relying on the growth of companies or formation of new companies exactly exactly and so i think the 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 growth of supply of junior devs clearly uh is greater than that of you know positions so yeah and and it seems like 
uh, companies like startups when they first start, they probably they probably don't want to waste time, or I don't want to say waste time, but they don't want to dedicate the time to teach someone brand new mm-hmm. how to do things when they just got funding and they and the investors like okay, build a product, get an MVP, go go go. You yeah, got a yeah. year or two years left. Yeah, it 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 really depends on what at what stage that startup is at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if they're seated and then they have a product that's already out there and they're just kind of like maintaining and or improving on it, then um, typically they they do hire more junior positions with like no experience, little or no experience. Um, other startups, they generally don't even bother looking at you just because like they, they need people with experience. They need people to, to deliver, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so for you, where you're working right now, would you classify it as a small, medium, or large? Oh, it's very large. <laughs> it's a very large company. It's not a startup. <laughs> would, do Out of your kind of cohort, what's what's the kind of percentage would you say that people go working in large, medium, and small? I think a lot of people ended up in medium-sized startups. Okay. Um, there's several people, including me, that ended up at large companies. Um, s- very small startups, maybe a few as well. So it it does vary, but I think most of them land jobs in medium sized startups, like sixty percent, fifty percent, probably like sixty, seventy percent. Oh wow, okay. I think so. Yeah, it's actually like the majority there. Okay, yeah, yeah. And how long did it take you? to get a job like the the de- the period of being like you know, rejected and then dejected mm-hmm. um yeah be- it's um, as a result of not being able to keep up with my routine um it took me like four uh, four to six months of unemployment i did have a small little um little gig with a startup for some time um and but that kind of just didn't work out in the end so then luckily at the time uh this the, my current position was able was uh, like reached out to me and was like hey like i want to interview again and i've been i was in the process of interviewing with with this company for for like several months already and they had they had like some they had like reorganization happening which is why it took so long uh and it just worked out it just worked out for me very well that um that the, the startup that I was working at wasn't really working out and then I was able to jump over to the the new my current position mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and four to six months was that on the longer end or do you, do you find that you're cold it was on the longer end for sure yeah um, I, I would say maybe like 70 to 80 percent of my cohort was already employed before I got my like I, before I got the offer to my current position. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, what, oh man, I just had a question. I just completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it happens. Um, what was it? Oh yeah. So you, when you were actually going through that period though, of like dejection, mm-hmm. like how, how did you kind of will yourself out of it? What was your, what was your process? Like, or what was going on to, let's let's go first with like what was going on in your mind were you thinking of going back to accounting or like what were, no yeah, okay no that wasn't um it was an option that was not an option for for myself like i made it made it that um it wasn't an option there okay. were periods where i was like should i just take like should i just like just for fun just apply to some of these accounting industry jobs instead you know maybe like that would be better and but i kind of 
stop myself from doing that. Uh, I, the, I think this is where the environment um, and people kind of thing that I picked the boot camp for uh, really played a huge part in because I wasn't the only one still stuck. So out of the people that were still looking for jobs, we were talking every day. We were, we were encouraging each other. Uh, we would plan meetups just to, just to get ourselves in an environment where we can just pump out applications and like, you know, and just, uh, cause you need it. Like after graduation, the next cohort comes. So you no longer get, ac- well, you do get access to the space, but I, you don't typically just go to the space and just apply to jobs while the other cohort is there. So we, um, we, we, we try like, most of us are just applying from home and stuff. And that's not the greatest environment because it leaves yourself too deep in your own thoughts. And that's when it can get really bad if you're not mentally strong. Um, so you put yourself in, in, in an environment with other people. You talk about it. You encourage each other. And it, it I think that really helped. Um, a lot of the people that I would I talked to, like, like were just encouraging over maybe two to three months after a lot of other people got their jobs. I pushed, like I pushed them, they pushed me. Eventually they got jobs and then I got jobs and you know, it's, it's a, it's a good environment. And that's kind of one thing that I'm very grateful about this bootcamp was for. <laughs> so yeah, it seems yeah. to have paid off. Yeah. Well. And now, so now you're doing, uh, you said you're doing more than just uh, front end work. So mm-hmm. are you doing a bit of like back end yes. work as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's kind of um, it's kind of a role, the the current position I'm in. It's kind of a role that it's designated as a front end developer, but the nature of the team is so like we're trying to move towards where everyone can do anything. So you learn a lot of different things. You learn like you learn back end, you learn DevOps, you learn uh, security, you learn QA, and all like just to name a few. Um, it's it's a lot to learn, but it's also really fun, and the people are. Are like because the team is so new and the company was undergoing this whole reorganization. <coughs> uh, everyone's still learning. It's not like it's not like we're in a large corporation. You're expecting like oh, there's going to be this structure, that structure, and like you have to do things this way or that way. There is that kind of stuff here, but because we're all still learning and transitioning to this new kind of tech style, um, there's give and there's like like there's you can go to your senior and, and and suggest something and they'll be like they're open to it whereas in the traditional way it's kind of like no you have to do it this way you have to use this you have to use that or whatever so um so i i, I forgot what my point was but it's uh it's it's a it's a great role um i think i landed in a in a very good first like like junior position um, where I'm not stuck only doing one thing and only see one thing as I would have expected in a large corporation. Hmm. And the, the question I want to lead into mm-hmm. with that is just, you know, you've left accounting. It's It's been what, about a year now since you've left. You had yeah, two months and then six months of looking and then now about five months. Yeah, I, I left accounting um, beginning of October of last year okay yeah so it's been just over like a year and several months so yeah, yeah. wow yeah. and so then, uh, since that time like do you ever miss accounting do you no. ever lo- <laughs> it's funny because uh 
I don't miss it, but um, <clears throat> I still somehow get reminded of it from time to time, you know, um, whether it's like keeping track of my personal finances or mm-hmm. like some random random person meets me, hears that I'm an accountant, and then they ask me if I can do their taxes as a joke. Um, like it's still it's still a part of me. Um, I'm still a, I'm still a CPA. Um, some some of my friends still ask me like like accounting or like financial like personal finance related questions or like tax questions and stuff and I'm still able to answer them and I still am keeping up with my CPD even though I don't think I'm required to do it because I don't I'm not in a role where I need to you know um, need, need, need to do things that affect investors decisions mm. I think there's a I'm pretty sure there's an exemption for that for a CPD so I don't know if you're still doing your CPD or not but you might not need to do it but oh wow alright I, I gotta look into that <laughs> I, I did not know about that thank yeah. you yeah, so um so yeah, like there I still I still am reminded that I'm a CPA. Mm. Um so it's I haven't fully left it behind, but in terms of like my position and my and my day to day tasks, yes, I've left it behind. And yeah. I'm, I'm very happy that I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna ask like what's your life like now? Like <laughs> Unicorns and Rainbows? Uh no. <laughs> I wish. No, um, it's still it's still a lot of meetings, um, especially so because there's so many um, constituents involved in a project that during the day is like usually meeting up with let's say the business or like a, a, an analyst or something or the UX designer or UI designer and talking about um, how something it should be done or like something needs to be fixed who who to go to fix it and stuff like that or like uh which developers are responsible for doing this or that or whatnot so during the day it's more meetings and then after the day end is when <laughs> when development actually works like starts which sounds oddly familiar to auditing where during the day you're talking to the client getting stuff and then and then answering a bunch of questions from your manager and your staff and then afterwards after five o'clock when the client leaves is when you can actually get your work done so um yeah the <clears throat> the difference is the difference is that in this current position it, um i can still leave at five <laughs> <laughs> but i don't notice that it is five mm, so that's a that's a big difference mm-hmm, right there mm-hmm. and I, I i i don't know who said it and this person may have been very ill-informed but i heard how if accounting and software development might actually be similar in certain aspects like I, th- I think I sent some psychology study where like, oh, if you, if you rank in like this personality type, like it says like accounting or software developer. And I was thinking, are they similar? I, I thought they were very different, but <laughs> I guess they're kind of sedentary in one aspect that you're sitting down. But I, I quit a software developing more to like, close to like financial modeling or something where actually planning things out and then building something. Mm-hmm. Never thought that of accounting, but uh... what's your, what's your experience? Are they similar at all or? You don't have to squeeze it. You don't have to say that there's, there's like some <laughs> element of similar. If you think straight up, nah, that person's wrong. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to say because the accounting field itself is kind of diverse depending on what role you're in, right? That's very true. You can say like, you can say like, oh, I'm I'm a like a tax director at an in, in industry mm-hmm. at like some sort of company. That role might be 
it's not the like it's not the same as uh, as if you are like a manager or a senior manager at a public accounting firm, right? Where uh, you're delivering to clients and stuff. Um, so so you're like constantly busy. But then in industry, you're more project based and you have funding and stuff like that for like. Maybe the tax director thing wasn't the greatest example, but like, let's say you're like a project accountant, or, or like you're you're on the business end of things, then that's kind of very similar to, to um to development where you're you're funded for a particular project and then you, you you build stuff based on like your MVP and like your, whatever, um. So, but then, like you can say the same about other like different industries as well, right? Like, yeah. it's there. There's similarities, there's differences. It's 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 not as black and white as as it may seem. Um, I definitely didn't know, like, or like I didn't expect full time software development to be the way it I I I imagined it to be. Um, In terms of how, just I thought like. I don't know. It was it was probably very naive of me to just think like, oh, once I get into soft dev, I'm just gonna be that guy in the corner sitting over there, literally coding, being a code monkey and like coding away at for like eight plus eight to ten plus hours a day, and then just going home and not having much interaction. But that's not how it works anymore. Hmm. Um, maybe it was at some point. Maybe it is for some people still. But um, at least my role is it's just a lot of a lot of involvement with. Um, with different kinds of people um, in the project, uh, and and it it feels like it feels like I'm a staff again. It feels like I'm a staff accountant again. Hmm. But at least the things I do actually make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I realize how harsh of a how harsh of a statement that was just now, but. It it kind of is true. So, oof. Yeah. All right, <laughs> laying down the gauntlet yeah. there. Depends on what what like what staff you are at which firm. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Save yourself that way. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I uh, know. As when I was a staff, um, at, at at like a in 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 my position, I actually did more th- than what I would expect as an audit staff. Like a tax staff definitely does a lot, but it's weird because you don't really have tax staff in big firms i don't know i actually don't remember if you get really hired into a tax role without some experience so um yeah <laughs> i'll just leave it at that i yeah. should stop talking yeah, about that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well we'll leave it at that there <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we kind of we're kind of ending up to the the final legs of this interview but i i had some kind of two quick questions one particularly is like you said you know you you enter junior developer role um after having been a senior accountant so you know you're when you do a complete career switch you know people say oh you gotta start from the bottom and be okay with that what was it like what was your kind of uh, emotional process like though starting from the bottom and having to kind of you know quote unquote start over again like i've done it Mm-hmm. three times mm-hmm. and i tell people mm-hmm. each time it sucks it sucks it yes. sucks like it's even if i'm in a field that mm-hmm. i want it to be and it still sucks because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they don't uh, you know transfer over the years you put into something and 
in one aspect, I guess that makes sense. One one aspect, you're still kind of upset about it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm curious to hear like, how you handled it. It's yeah, it's the the transformation sucks. It's uh, but you have to take a look at it as an invest like from an investment standpoint, where this is what you want to do. This is what you've been aiming to do, and you've already achieved one milestone, and that is to land the job and break into the industry. So the only downside you'll have for the next little while is just that your friends are making more than you. But other than that, you you still retain the same knowledge as in your previous job that what you've gained up until that point. Um, there's going to be things that are transferable. Um, I I found that all the soft skills, all the things that all the all the experiences I've had dealing with like working with clients and um, working with all sorts of different kind of people um, and on my different like audit engagements or like tax engagements that all is like soft skills are always going to be transferable anywhere you go. And it help It does play a big part in my current role too. being able to communicate well will help make the job like you doing your job more efficient. So like you just, in your career transformation progress, you j- process, you just need to find the things that are transferable and remind yourself that, hey, what you did before, there are, there's got to be things that make you who you are and it's got you this far. So, so it's, it's not like you're dumping everything out the window and, and bringing in new furniture. But, you know, um, it's, you just have to look at it from a dis- different perspective, basically. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think simply put, it's the it's the way of looking at life in the long term. Uh, don't don't want to be cliche, but truly what it is, which is a long term race. And if I have the perspective that I'm going to have a ninety year career, and then it doesn't really matter. Two three years is just a blip. And <coughs> exactly. What is life? It's an, it's an adventure. You're exploring. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. And then for. The final question then for today is, I'm sure you know you have other friends who might have considered this kind of transition after being inspired by your move. Mm-hmm. And given what you've experienced now, like, what's the kind of advice that you give to them? Like some mistakes you have learned or things you learned, um, you saw. Like, what kind of advice do you give to your friends who are considering the kind of move? You, you gotta stick it through. Um, specifically during the job search part for sure <coughs> you shouldn't get dejected from rejections um, because you're already expecting them so why get dejected don't let that ruin your routine um, because that hurt that will just hurt your chances of finding a job at the end uh, that was one of like my biggest uh, like errors during the entire process um and then another mindset to really keep in mind if you're going to enter into this industry um is you need to also like after you've made it found your job you need to find time outside of work hours to still do um your own learning i'm kind of lucky in that in this role there like in my in at my company they encourage us to at least learn some new stuff like for like at least an hour a week as part of like our work hours. So that's really good um, because I know it's difficult for 
different people at different walks of like their life to be able to find time to do self-learning. But in order to continue to progress in this industry, because it's not just about making it breaking into the industry, you still have to stay in and stay relevant. So you still need to continuously learn. And that's one thing that's kind of different from accounting in that accounting it's like once you've learned the fundamental principles and stuff like that it's easy to update yourself because then it's like you have the set already and then you just kind of add on or replace different parts of it depending on what gets passed through the budget and then um but in 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 development like if your technology just suddenly starts to become irrelevant then you have to learn something new, right? So better to get practice learning now than to do it when you have to. And I mean, it's it's a mindset you should always have with anything in life anyway, but it is what it is. You, sometimes you get comfy and then you slow down on your learning, but it's something to remember, I think. And I, I need to work towards that myself, so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, Vince. Really had fun today with this chat, and thanks for so much for uh, coming to the podcast and sharing your story with myself and my audience. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. All right, thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope the story was inspiring to you. It hopefully it also helped you expand your perspectives. Hopefully, it also made you question the default path that you might have been going on or the default beliefs you might have had. And maybe now it'll make you even think about doing something about it, doing something different maybe, challenging yourself, being courageous. Who knows? But regardless, I'm really happy that you took some time out of your day to listen to this fantastic story with my guest. And if you would like to somehow, in some way, contribute and help support the podcast and maybe even just be part of the community that I'm trying to build with the greater OMD Ventures platform, really think about being a stakeholder in the platform. And the quick way to do that is to go to my website, oldmandan.com and go to the stakeholders page. I believe it's oldmandan.com slash stakeholder. And the link is also down below. And that's how you can figure out how you can subscribe, follow to get more updates on the free content. But at the same time, also donate and donate by actually just buying me a coffee that's just how i put it and you can buy me a coffee a month coffee a week or coffee every day of the year and think about it as the way that you know if you wanted to chat with me you might just bring me out for coffee and buy me a coffee or if you wanted to bring one of my guests out to chat you might buy them a coffee so i'm just think of it as i'm the service that's doing that for you so you can just pay me in coffees (laughs) don't worry uh everything will still be free it's just it would just really help if you would like to show your support this way so that I can use the coffee money to buy myself actual coffees and also to buy my guests actual coffees at and use the leftover money to actually grow the platform as well as even keep it operationally alive as well because it all this does isn't really free and it does take a lot of time to build it as well as operate it and hopefully grow it further so your support would be amazing if you would like to contribute and so yeah just check out the website go to the stakeholders page and read the different kind of benefits you might even get as a stakeholder all right thank you